Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the TKW Podcast. I'm Anthony Corbo, joined, as I am every week, by my co-host, Kyle Maggio. What's going on, and everybody? And Brian, what's going on? And, of course, Brian Gibberman. Don't ruin the surprise. You, you, you come in here hot big, like that. Big, you, big surprise. You ruin the surprise of Brian Gibberman. Yeah, I'm never on the podcast, ever. Yeah, never. 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 Well, gentlemen... We are on the heels of the seven straight losses for the New York Knicks. This time they were blown out 129 to 96. Is that right? I think it was 97. 97. Oh, that was a good, that was yeah, off top though. That point, Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take that. Uh, uh, it, it was pretty ugly from the start. The Knicks just looked like they had no idea how to adjust to the jazz. There was like, you know, basically four straight high pick and roll to Rudy Gobert. Oop, uh, finishes that, uh, Luke Cornett looked pretty lost out there. The guards couldn't keep anyone in front of them. So not the uh, not the greatest performance for the Knicks, but we did see the second straight start for Luke Cornett over Ennis Kanter. Yeah, Luke looked good again. Um, as long as he's, he's going to get those shots every single game. He's going to get the same kind of looks every single game, and he's going to have to take them. I don't know if he's going to keep hitting them like this, but he's going to have to take them. And that's why he's been effective right now. I think he had 14 in Utah and um, he just, he looks really good shooting the ball right now. And that has value, even if we're getting blown out on a, you know, um, in dramatic fashion, like we did last night for Utah. But I really am encouraged by uh, what I've seen from him. So Pretty much all of his points came in garbage time, though. I didn't think in the game before against the Bucks, I thought Fisdale did a nice job running some, using some creative action to get him some open threes, not just your basic pick and pop and him spacing. On occasion, they actually ran him on some off some off ball screens, and I don't really remember them doing that much against the Jazz. The Jazz were smart and they put Colbert on Vomley and favors on on uh, Cornetti so they could keep Gobert near the basket. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's better. Him out there is better than Cantor being out there, so I'm not going to complain at all. Yeah, we've, and we're seeing plenty of complaining out of Ennis Cantor already. He, he's, he's got quotes in the media. He's, uh, you know, given up on plays and everything like that. It's not a... Uh, and Iskander is definitely not happy about his demotion, but I don't know. Do you think we see him back in the starting lineup for the Knicks at some point this season? I I don't know. I mean, it's it's sounding especially grim today. Uh, today we you know it was a big point of discussion on Knicks Twitter about um, it. Kind of seems like this is going to get messy now. Like it, it before, it didn't seem as bad. I I don't know. But to me, now it seems like, okay, guys, this is, that's what he's saying. Like, okay, now, now it's enough. But it seems like he's putting his foot down on what he feels is unfair. And it seems more, I don't know, to me, the tone just seemed different this time. It just seemed like um, 
things were more testy. Well, I and I'm sure, I, and I'm sure he's not thrilled, especially having to get demoted to begin with. But especially when it's a game like Utah, we know his history there. He's not well liked. He gets booed all the time. That was vicious. For, yeah, they so came they, at him. Yeah, they they never forget about him. They always do this. So you you lose by basically you lose by forty. The score is what it is, and and that doesn't even reflect how lost the Knicks were in this game. But um, to get blown out like that, uh, it, where where you you know used to play, where they hate you, and uh, you're just totally ineffective after getting demoted. It's I'm sure he was he had a lot of reasons to be upset, but it just it sounded more dramatic this time to me. I, know I, I, don't know that, I don't know that he's going to be back. I can tell you that one person who is more thrilled than maybe anybody about Ennis Cantor not being in the lineup is probably Brian, though. Oh, he's a fucking embarrassment. Like, <laughs> and some of the defending he's getting from people that cover the team, I get in theory what they're saying about him caring and him wanting to win. But that's that's not what this isn't about. This isn't about winning. He doesn't help them win. He hurts them when he's on the court. There's any kind of statistic you look at. It shows that he's a negative when he's on the court. So the whining and how he tries on defense and all this stuff, it just doesn't add up for the good, what they're saying in theory that would be good and would make sense, it just doesn't. That's not what. That's not what's happening here. He's salty because he's not playing and he thinks he should be an all star. He's a clown boy. Yeah, I, I don't particularly think that Ennis Cantor really cares about winning. I mean, even yeah, you know, he had Oklahoma City, but you look back in his Jazz days, there wasn't there. It, like he's never been a contributor to a winning team at any point. He's just kind of a guy who cares about getting 30 minutes a game and kind of being, you know, the star of the show right now. I feel like New York was almost a perfect situation for him to, you know, where he doesn't actually have to be any good, but he can still have, you know, 25 point, 25 rebound games. And, uh, and now that that's kind of being taken out of away from him, he's, uh, complaining a bit, but I think this is probably a good time for the Knicks to consider moving on from Cantor. If you got to waive him, I don't think you're going to really trade him for much, but you know, you can get, you could kind of take the PR hit or whatever if, you know, looking disloyal to a teammate or something like that. You already got all the Christmas joy out of Ennis Cantor. Uh, you know, the, the dark days of January and February are approaching. This team's going downhill quick. I think it might just be time for these two to part ways. This is, on the January point real quick, this is going to be the month where everybody stops paying attention to the Knicks, even Knicks fans. Right, right. Like, like that. that's the point. Like, we, we did the early season excitement. You know, then we scaled it back a little bit and said, okay, we know it's a rebuild year. It's still going to be fun with the kids. Then the kids started to take some strides. We're like, okay, well, at least, at least the kids are playing well. At least Knox is, you know, playing well now. And, uh, but the team stinks. And then like the next two months, just like, my God, this is just horrible to watch. I know that they're going to lose. It is what it is. I'm not going to watch. Well, the great thing, the great thing about the loyal listeners of this podcast are that they'll be here with us through thick and thin. Correct. Correct. (laughs) Um, but I, I don't know. I was thinking about it a lot today about, I know Brian's just going to say he has no value and they should waive him. But I, I think I, th- this might see, I'm going to get called. Somebody's going to yell at me tomorrow on Twitter or um, in, in the YouTube comments where they're especially vicious, but <laughs> <laughs> YouTube comments. I, I could yell at you. 
I think my whole thing is everybody thinks like you're going to say he's terrible. He's a bad, he's a bad player. Uh, Nobody should be interested in trading for him. I just feel like there's, there's always a team. There's always a team that would do it. And I I just, I I don't believe he's entirely useless. I just think, I just think he he needs a, like many players, he needs a very specific fit around him to make it work. And I just, I don't know what team it is. I haven't even bothered to speculate for this podcast. I just know that there's always a team just like, yeah, no, we could use them. So even I don't know like, what you move them for, but but even as like you know uh, a big uh, high scoring big who's going to only play around the basket and play no defense, there's already uh, you know three or four guys who might be available on the market this year who are better than Cantor and more value than Cantor. I just don't feel like he's got any value right now. Here's my thing, if. The Knicks were will if the Knicks weren't putting all their eggs into the free agent basket this summer, which they can deny all they want. They that's very clearly what they're doing is they want to get a KD or a Kyrie or whoever pick the name you want. They're trying to get one of those guys, and they're not going to take on any money in a trade. If they were willing to take on a bad contract to get an additional asset, I would understand the theory of keeping Cantor around because you need that contract for a potential trade. They're not going to be willing to do that. The only type of deal they're going to be able to make is for something to add up on a one year and a one year. Most likely I would probably rather just have another player off the scrap heap or the Knicks G league team than whatever they would get back in a trade and maybe take a look at someone who could potentially be on this team longer than just this year. So that's where my logic comes in just buying him out now and not worrying about getting an asset in return, because I don't think realistically you really can get an asset in return for him. That would be of use. Yeah. My point is, I don't know that they're going to get anything that I consider an asset back. I just think if they wanted to move him, I think that they could is my point. Whereas like a Courtney Lee, it's really difficult to do that right now. I just think like with the candor, it's an expiring, like he has some value for, you know, honestly, I mean, to me, he's a bench guy. I don't think he's a starting center on a a good or good or decent team, but you know, for the, the, the Knicks, it made sense in the beginning of the season to me, but I just, um, I I, I just think, I think someone would want him off the bench and as an expiring, I think that kind of adds to it as like a rental kind of a thing. It just, I, I don't know who again, haven't speculated. I'm not, I don't even feel strongly that, that it could happen. I just think that I don't know how I see them waving yet another player, you know, especially I, I, someone who figured is, to play a big role, but it's just like, like you're saying, like no one's paying attention right now. Can we yeah. talk about football for a second? And I was, I was going to tell you, and then I went with the candor talking points. I just saw the tweet. They fired Todd Bulls. Oh, wow. He's out. Yeah, Anthony, sorry for being rude and interrupting you, but I got excited. No, that's okay. Believe me. No, I, it, it was it was time. Yeah, I, was, I was genuinely... I, I, listen, I don't follow the league very closely, but, uh, you know, when I went home and saw my uh, family who were pretty big Jets fans, I'm just like, this dude still got a job? I thought he got fired, like, weeks ago, but... No, he was... When the Jets went 10-6 and six in his first year, he was a truly horrible coach that season, like... If they had a remotely decent coach, they would have went 13 and three with that team. And he screwed. They lost to like backup quarterbacks. They just had an easy schedule. Todd Bowles is the worst coach since Kotite. 
And I don't really remember Kotite because I was too young. So I can't tell you how bad he was. But Todd Bowles was the worst Jets coach I've ever watched. Yeah, and, and I feel bad. Actually, I actually really like Todd Bowles. I think he's a good guy. Um, but um, I actually was fine with him through. And I'm not like the biggest. I don't pretend to know football. I mostly just listen to people about football. Like I, I obviously follow it very closely and know it to a decent degree. But for ones that I don't know, like basketball, I like to just listen. And uh, everybody did not like Todd Bowles, but I thought he was okay those first you know, that 10 and six year, I thought he was fine. I thought he was like, Oh, maybe he's still just a young, like a new coach. Like let him just, he'll be better next year. And then when he wasn't, I was like, all right, I'm done. So that, that's when I believed it. But you know, I wish him uh, the best wherever he ends up, but we uh, need somebody who's not going to fuck up Sam Darnold. Yeah. And someone who will not like kick field goals in every fourth and one from the 15. <laughs> yeah. Um, we should have, well, we should have done it during the season, but we should have a Jets interruption segment during every podcast. We could have with the amount of Sunday Knicks games they had this year, too. We yeah. could have somehow worked that in. Well, yeah. all right, so let's uh, let's move on from Ennis Cantor. There's a couple of more things we could talk about uh, in the Jazz game. Uh, we saw some Mario Hazonia minutes, but that's obviously, <laughs> we didn't see anything in it, and I don't even think that's worth uh, mentioning at this point, but he, he tried to turn the ball over every time yeah. he touched. He was in the game. It was. It reminded me of the summer league game when Chase and Randall couldn't dribble past half court. Oh man, that would, dude, that was a that was that was brutal. I remember that game like very vividly. Man, we all had high hopes for Randall. Um, let's talk about Noah Vonley though. So Noah Vonley had picked up two very early fouls in this game. He ended up finishing with 13 points and nine rebounds, uh, only played 24 minutes. And, you know, it, it was those two fouls that kept him out for most of the first quarter, and that's when the, and the Knicks found themselves down, you know, 39 to 17. And then by the time he was able to get some burn again in the second quarter, you know, they ended up being down 32-17 at the end of half of that. And uh, it's it just... it feels like Noah Vonley's impact on how the Knicks are able to stop teams from, you know, whether it be around the rim, whether it be on the perimeter, just like he's smart and able to get into position. And when he's not on the floor, you see guards not able to hold other guards, you know, around the, around the line, they're able to drive right past them. You see big men who aren't able to defend around the rim. It's just Noah Vonley's presence are, is so massive on the Knicks defense this season. Yeah, you know what I was just thinking about, um, Brian. Who did you dunk on? Like it was like three weeks ago when they had when they had a a tweet that that Noah Vonley wasn't good. Like the illegal screens person. He's a draft guy. Yeah, and, and he made some, I don't know. He made some comment just like, oh, like Noah Vonley fucking sucks, and he and, uh, and Brian was just like, what the what the fuck are you talking about, basically? And when then he, he admitted, like, in to other people, he's like, oh, I only I've only seen it like twice, and he's been bad both times I watched it. So, like, if you've only watched someone twice, maybe it's not the best idea to make a declarative statement like that about a player. Dude, when Vonley's right. not on the floor, the Knicks end up in a two-three zone. I mean, it's it, it, it's it's cannot be overstated how important he is right now to this team's defense and just looking I, respectable on the court at all. I never 
ever want to see the zone run again. Ever. I, I, it is the worst thing to watch. I hate watching the zone. How many um, open corner threes for Kyle Korver could we possibly give up in one game? I, I said I was tweeting the game last night, and I, I just, I just said I felt like corner was just uh, Korver was going to get infinite shots. Like he could go off tonight. It just, it just felt like that. Like Kyle Korver's, always, he's like the guy, you know, the, the, the random role player that always goes off on the next. Like that, I felt like that was Kyle Korver. And he was, and he was like off the dribble hitting threes too. And he's like 90 at this point. So that was incredible. That, so that was the worst game of the season, right guys? Oh, for, for sure. For sure. And there I were, had higher hopes for it, but there were some moments in the third quarter that I was like, all right, this team's actually like trying again, even though they're, they have no chance of winning. But that first half, I will say, especially has it's gotta be the worst. It's gotta be, it's gotta be, and it'll probably will be the worst half of the season. The first quarter, the Knicks had 150 defensive rating. Oh my god! They that shot is, something like some tw- would say bad. Yeah, they shot something think, like 25 percent or something too. I, I think this exemplified that this stat exemplified this game the best. So the Jazz 54.3 percent of their points in that game came on tubes, on just two point shots. All 54. Gobert had eight dunks alone. Yeah, and then that's basically that kind of leads into what I was about to say. All 54.3% of those points were in the paint. So yeah. 100% of their twos point, two pointers were in the paint. Not a single mid-range shot, not a single shot like 12 feet out like a floater. Every single one in the paint. Yeah. That's that's fucking pathetic. Yeah, and it this was one of those games and, and you can't really say it often. Because most games are somewhat competitive and the stats and box score doesn't always tell the whole story. But this game, like if you just looked at the box score and and, and said you knew exactly what happened, you you would almost be correct. Like all, every stat was bad. Everything was bad. You could look at the box score and it would tell the entire story. Like Rudy Gobert, I, I, did he even miss a shot? Do we probably not? They were all dunks that were wide open. No, I think he was like 10 to 12 or something like that. I think he did yeah. like a tip in or a put back. Right, right. But I, I mean, he, he just had a, an open lane. And like he wasn't even rushing when he had the lane. He just like did these slow gathers and dunk. Yeah, like he was quiet pathetic. 35 and 16. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> quiet 35 and 16. <laughs> the, the, and another pathetic part of this is that it was all in half, half court. Only like. Right. Well, I have it written only 4.7% of the Jazz's points in this game came on fast breaks. It was just them picking apart the Knicks half court defense the entire time. Yep. I mean, they were right at Moody and right at Cornette a lot early in the first. They just repeatedly blew by yeah, Moody. No, it, was, it was just high pick and roll. It just it, every, every, every possession. They yeah, got. And, yeah. And Cornette was always out of position too. He played yep. too high or, or too far back and he just didn't, he, he couldn't just, get the right. He can't make decisions yet. Like he'll he like he just gets caught looking underneath the rim because he can't decide whether to play be the right. help defender or stay on Gobert because he's about to dunk it over him, and then you end up with like an awkward alley oop dunk finish over him. So, and I do want to say too, you know, they everybody complains um, about Frank not getting able to play. And he didn't play a ton. He played 16 minutes 30 seconds, but he was getting blown by too. You like, know, and he's supposed to be the defensive stopper. It, like, if Moutier's and again, he hasn't been that this year. But if Moody is going to get blown by, I would fucking hope 
that Frank Nielakina is going to play somewhat better defense than Emmanuel Moutier. And while he made like a couple of nice plays because he's Frank, um, he right. was still getting blown by almost all the time. And, like I agree that, with and you that's frustrating on the that's blow, frustrating on the blow bys, you know, not being able to contain his his man, especially in the in the half court game is absolutely on point. I did see some nice, uh, you know, chasing after loose balls, almost coming up with seals like good reaches. Um, and then, you know, he obviously had that nice uh, transition dunk at one point. Uh, but, you know, still only finished with two points, two rebounds. Thought he came with a little bit more aggression out there. I liked what I saw from him, but, you know, obviously not very impactful, and it did nothing to stop the bleeding for the Knicks. So, yay. You, you can't let Raul Neto beat you off the dribble repeatedly. It's just, it's unacceptable. This is what I mean. Like, I, I love Frank. I believe that he's going to turn into a very effective player one day, whether that's with us or without us. Um, help me help you. Like, help me to defend you buddy like i can't I, I can't do it with what you're giving us right now i just i can't and i got excited last night because he absolutely put rudy gobert in a poster absolutely he threw down over him just crushed him and it was beautiful and i was like there we go he hasn't really had many dunks in the league and he hasn't had many poster dunks um this might have been his first one to be quite honest or anything close to it and uh, I thought, okay, maybe we're going to get aggressive Frank tonight. Normally when he comes in, he comes out guns blazing. That's like an easy 8 to 12 points for Frank. And uh, that was literally it. No, I went against the rest of the game. I mean, it's like, like help us, Frank. Like, we, we want to stand for you again. You know, like we did in, in mid-October, end of October, and early November when he was starting and playing pretty well. But we can't, we can't with this. We can at least play good defense again. Like this is, it, it's sad. I'm not. I'm not giving up on him. But please pick it up. That's what bothered me the most last night. Quiet. I was like, Jesus. Christ. He was always the guy who tried harder when nobody else was. And like, if he's not doing that, now I just feel terrible about it. I mean, that's just where this team is at this point in the season. It sucks. No, like they need to. And I kind of feel like in the third quarter, they came out of halftime. And surprisingly, as compared to recent games, like they did kind of pick it up a little bit after halftime. They looked just totally dejected after the, uh, you know, before the buzzer in the first half, though. So probably didn't take much to come back from that. But, you know, obviously didn't make much of an impact. And quiet games from a lot of players, too. Moody A uh, did not look good, in my opinion just has no idea how to pass out anywhere besides a quarter once he starts to drive. Uh, Knox had a pretty quiet game, too. Uh, just, yeah, not a lot of excitement from anyone else on the team all around. It's it's time for them to go back to focusing on defense. So the 14 games to start the season, they had a 104.4 offensive rating, a 109.5 defensive rating. That Orlando game happened... It was the last game they started, the Robinson, Vonley, Dotson, Frank, Hardaway. They got pulled. That lineup got pulled with three minutes into the game when they were down 5 nothing, and then Cantor came in, and then the Knicks got destroyed. That was what Fisdale used as an excuse to stop playing the more defensive-focused lineups. Since then, they've played 23 games. 
106.2 offensive rating, 115.4 defensive rating. He's given these groups long enough. Let's go back to that's all I want for the rest of the season. I don't care. I honestly, I really don't care about the outside of Hardaway. I don't think anyone else should get a pass on defense. I do think you need to keep some semblance of trying to be able to run an offense. And so Hardaway is the one guy I give a little bit of a pass for defensively outside of that. Everything should be based around trying to construct the best way to play. You can defensively. And that's all I want for the rest of the season. That's it. My single goal is to improve and start building on the defense going into next year. I mean, I, I don't know how much more of a leash like you could possibly give these guys here. You know, they've lost seven games straight. They, you know, they were, you know, they had scored. What was it? 34 points by the end of the, uh, of the, of the first quarter, like, or the, the uh, first half in last night's game, like nothing is working defensively. The offense isn't going anywhere. You know, these, it, it's time for another shakeup. I mean, he said he was going to keep on shaking up his lineups. He's going to keep trying something new. You know, Cornette in there is a really good start, but, you know, it's, it, it's time to start considering other options, whether it's going to work or not. You know, it, it's time maybe to, you know, I, I, it's, I can't even justify saying put Frank in the starting lineup, even if he's going to help with the defensive issues. He's just not proved that he can even be a capable defender at this point, but, I don't know. Maybe a starting opportunity is what he needs. Hardaway's not going anywhere. You know, it's, I, I, it's just these, we need some kind of consistency from these lineups because, you know, you even had a, a seven minute period in the, in the second quarter of, of uh, last night's game where they were held completely scoreless and like Moutier, Trier, Dotson, uh, Hazonia, and Cantor were on the floor together. It's just that's not going to get you anywhere. We we need to try to find, start playing consistent lineups that are going to improve as time goes on and not just plateau or get worse. Yeah, I just don't see them using Frank that way or, or starting anymore. Uh, not for the foreseeable future. He's not helping his case. He's just not. But um, obviously, I would want to employ that if I was David Fisdale. If I was the head coach, that's the one I would I would run with, and I. But that's all of our philosophies are different than um, what's actually happening. So I, I don't know, but everybody else, like the the Tim, Knox, Von Ley, and Mitch, I would agree with. Um, even if you, you got – I don't think Dotson's going to start over Knox anymore at any point this season. But, um, you know, I'll always advocate for Doc to get – you know, Doc to get in there. But um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know who else you'd – play there, I guess. I, I think you just stick with Moutier and just, I would throw Von Lee and Mitch and leave Knox in and call it a day. I think that's most realistic for what's going to happen. Mitchell Robinson cannot get back any sooner. Like, this is... he. he like, we need to I, shake something up in there. We need to get some kind of presence going. And I, I just I, hope he's uh, more patient when he comes back. Yeah. Do, do you guys see what I, I talked about previously about how kind of my hope for how Mitchell is able to eventually play on offense is similar to Rudy Gobert. Did he kind of see that after getting to watch the jazz up close a little bit in that game? Yeah. Yeah. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. They're very, they have very similar styles. So it, it does make a lot of sense and you could see it now, even with how raw Mitchell Robinson is. And you also like Gobert has, good guards who were able to find him in position as well. 
which is what Mitchell Robinson's really going to need to help be able to unlock a lot of what he has to offer the Knicks. Like, you know, Exum finished with 13 assists last night. You know, he was able to find Gobert for all of those lobs to begin the game and just, you know, wherever he needed to be in position. I, I think getting a solid, you know, whether it be veteran or whether one of these players develop together, like a good lead guard who's going to know where to find Mitchell Robinson in position is going to be really key to unlocking, you know, his own recognition of what he's going to be able to do with his game moving forward. I'd say this would be the argument to start Frank. If you go back to Mitchell Robinson, I don't have any numbers to back this up, but I feel like based on eye test, Frank does a better job than Burke or Moody. at just throwing the ball towards the rim and letting Mitch try and finish. I feel like he's most aggressive and in that way, that, that that's part of the reason that those two fit well together is because he's not scared to just throw it up and kind of take advantage of Robinson's uh, catch radius. I guess a wide receiver football term there. But uh, I, I believe you're correct. And I'm saying that because I think that's exactly why all those lineups, all those different stats for the different two man groups showed the uh, Neil Aquina Porzingis pairing was so effective, not just defensively, but I, he did throw a number of labs to KP last year. I I know that that uh, that happened. They had a so I think, I think you're right. I think you're right about the, the Mitchell point. Yeah, it, it, it's going to take a lot for... Yeah, it, it's uh, There's so many guys who need to learn so much that just it's going to take time and they're going to have to develop together and some guys are going to come along sooner, but you know, Mitchell Robinson trying to learn it where he needs to be a little bit more on offense and, you know, his patience on defense would be more rewarded than just kind of his wildly jumping out at players and fouling at the three point line. And, you know, it works out when he gets the block, but then he also gets himself into foul trouble very easily. So uh, a little bit more patience for him will be great. Hopefully we can find some players to partner with soon. Um, can I ask a question real quick? Please do. Did, do we know anything about Moutier's injury? Oh, yeah. I, I he's he's going to be back. He's going to be back for Denver. Uh, that was Mark Berman who reported that this morning. Okay. Thank you. I didn't see I, that's I was just, I didn't see anything about that all day. I was curious. Yeah. I get, no, I haven't really like oddly early today. Cause like I was drinking my coffee and I remember it was like 10 or 11. And, um, I think it was around then I saw a break on Twitter and I said a few things about it, but yeah. Um, but, but I think the exact quote Moody said, like, was, uh, I'm not going to, like this, this would never hold me back from playing this game in Denver. So he, he just really wants to play that game, which is good because um, this season when Moody has been very motivated and engaged, we've gotten really, really fun outings from him. And um, as I'm on record saying now, I'm glad to be wrong about him when he's balling out like that. So um, I, I don't, I hate Denver. This is very, this is to nobody's surprise. And, and um, I would love for Moody to go in and uh, drop a nice little thirty-piece on him and snap the losing streak here. Yeah, we uh, we all can dream, right? N- not happening. But oh, Millsap's back too. Oh yeah, we're yeah. This is going to be a fun one. Before we uh, before we take a look at the rest of the schedule, Alonzo Trier has been shaky at best since coming back to the next from injury. Uh, had a I don't know. He looked. I mean, obviously he's an isolation player. That's what he's hanging his hat on, but. He looked a bit lost out there in last night's game. It wasn't entirely effective. Uh, Kyle, what do you what do you 
how are you feeling about Alonzo Trier since he's come back to the lineup? Maybe he was more injured than we thought. That's kind of my initial reaction because before he went down with the injury, he looked very healthy, very strong. Um, he just looks, I don't know about timid or anything, but he just looks off and rusty. So maybe like, he just feels like he's doing the same things he's done all year and he's just being way, way worse at it. So I can only, I'm going to blame this on the injury for now to some degree. I think he just needs to work his way back a little bit, but uh, he's not really shooting as well, shooting the same types of shots. Um, he was really aggressive in that Christmas day game, you know, getting to the rack and um, just shooting in general, but just not, not converting right now and just looks off. I don't know if, if it's still bothering him or if he's still just rusty, but he just looks off to me. Not getting some calls at the rim that, you'd like and hope he gets in time. That's not an excuse for how he's playing because it's been quite ugly and it's going to be like that with the guy who's a little bit of a ball stopper. Like I don't think he's selfish, but just the style he plays is a bit of a ball stopper because of how he attacks the rim and sets people up, sets people up and takes his time. He doesn't always work quickly. And that's an area where I, him, he, he's going to need to find a balance of move attacking right away versus kind of what looking all around the court. And there's a word I'm trying to, that's better for looking around the court that on the survey court vision. Yes. Yeah, surveying yeah, survey. Sur- I, I love, I fucking love that term for <laughs> basketball. I'm sorry. He's surveying the field. I, I love it. I love it. Thank you. I was going for survey, and I just couldn't. <laughs> I was like, and I'm just like, oh, he's he looks around the court, <laughs> but <laughs> finding the balance of those two things is something to watch going forward and how he adjusts with that. With a bit of a ball stopper like he is, we gotta, you know, to give and take, we have to reap what we sow with him. But we will. Uh, He's going to develop, too. You know, again, he's an undrafted rookie. He's uh, proven that he deserves a spot in the rotation thus far. And, you know, he's he will stick with him while he takes his hits. But, you know, a little, a little bit more court vision, a little bit more surveying, as Brian likes to say. Uh, and I think Trier will be able to kind of blend in a little bit more on the court when he's not scoring like he uh, is known to do. Do we uh, do we want to touch on Knox real quick before we looked at the rest of the schedule because he was a little bit quiet? But any cause for concern with him? No, no, just no. Uh, I, I I thought the West I thought the West Coast trip was going to be brutal for everybody. Um, you know, this game was especially brutal for everybody, and he had a really really strong month where I thought he didn't do anything obnoxious. He wasn't hitting these like crazy shots that he normally wouldn't. He was just making more open shots and being more divisive. So I, I'm not really that worried. I just thought it was an off game. He was a little inefficient. He was four of 12 from the field. He still finished with like 12 points at five rebounds. So he was off, but I mean, he was still present, um, picked up a few things in garbage time, but I wouldn't say I'm worried if he goes the entire West coast trip and it doesn't have a, a decent game or two. I'd be a, a little concerned, but just with how strong he's been and what we've seen from him over the past month, I, I'm sort of fully in on him. 
Yeah, there's pretty much, I mean, outside of completely shitting the bed for the rest of the season, I'm not going to panic pretty much about anything. That month gave me all I need to see. And mm. that's, you, you saw the potential and what can be. And that's while his skills are so raw and he's just going off physical ability where the, the next time um, that I could possibly be really concerned about him is the beginning of next season after a full off season of work. That's fair enough to me. I uh, feel pretty much the same way. It's, uh, you know, he's proven a lot over this course of this month too. And even managed to still put up a couple of games, uh, a couple of points last game. You know, like you said, we've seen the potential. He's, you know, we've seen what he's capable of. And he seems to have been, he seemed to have found a couple of things that he's able to do effortlessly. So he's just going to continue to grow from here. Uh, No real concern on my part either. Why don't we take a look at the next couple of games we got coming up? So like Kyle mentioned on Tuesday against the Denver Nuggets, Emmanuel Moutier returns back to the team that drafted him. Uh, From there, they're going to be playing the Los Angeles Lakers, and that's on Friday the 4th. And then Monday the 7th, you got the Portland Trailblazers. Yep, the West Coast trip rolls on strong. Not a lot of optimism out of us for the next couple of games, I'm sure. But what are you looking to find out of the Denver Nuggets game, Brian? Don't embarrass yourselves. Play. Just compete. Like, they can lose by 20, but compete in a way, and they didn't during the Jazz game. That's it. Very simple. Yeah, pretty much. Just start playing like a team again. I mean, these last seven or eight games especially – uh, really haven't been all that competitive. And, I mean, there, there's been competitive halves and things like that, but I don't see full competitive games like we did earlier in the season where we knew, you know, we thought that was always the best outcome. They, they're they scrappy. Sometimes they might look like they're going to overachieve, but ultimately lose most of their games um, while being in them. And that was the first half of their games, it felt like. And then um, it's... You know, they've really kind of free-fallen since. So just play with a little bit of pride. I mean, I understand the talent isn't there. Um, you you got to do a little bit better. And I don't think it's going to appear that way. I think Denver's number one in the West right now. And, um, I mean, they're having a hell of a year. And it's just not not a good time for arguably the worst team in the league uh, playing their worst ball of, of the season to head West for that kind of a a game. So I don't think it's, it's really going to get all that much better in the coming days here. And the Knicks absolutely do not have a single person on this roster that can deal with Jokic. That is, uh, yeah. If they had, a, if they had a can of biscuits that would draw his <laughs> attention to the way, oh, um, that's not going to be a good night for you. Dude. <laughs> 30 and 30. <laughs> Listen, I, uh, I have to, I have to get my jokes off now and I got to stay on brand. And then um, when we do the next podcast, I'm never going to mention the Denver game. We're going to go right to the next thing. So Cornette can't Cornette can't defend anyone in the post. Vonley's going to end up with like four fouls before five minutes into the second quarter. It's However, just... may the record show that if Cornette goes off and the Knicks somehow win this game, oh, you're going to be insufferable. Insufferable. I'm actually going to record it. a special. I'm going to record a special podcast. 
by myself. I was about to say, so Dan, Dan, Dan Levitard style after the Heat won the championships. <laughs> just full on dramatic music. I'm going to have Ant spend five, maybe six hours editing this. <laughs> and uh, it's just going to be like all like the dramatic opera music and then me going, give it to me again. Give it to me again, again. It's going to be great. Uh, it's not going to happen, but if it does, be on the lookout because it's going to be fantastic. What was Kevin Love's line? in that game against the Amari Knicks. He, he went for, it had to be like 40 and 20 or something like I th- that. I thought, no, I thought it was like a 30. It was a 30, 20 game for sure. Right. I'm going to try and look this. You guys, you guys can talk. I will give you this. I will, I will edit and produce that solo podcast for you and spend no less than six hours working on it. If Jokic scores either less than two points, has less than two rebounds, or less than two assists. If he has less than two in, either, in any one of those categories, you get your own solo pod. Yeah, I just need... I really just need to work on the puns for this. Jokic is tough. I mean, you could work like he, he's a joke angle because they call him the Joker. But no, yeah, I got I to workshop it. It's going to be really good. Uh, if anybody has any you, suggestions... You tell me that you don't stay up at night yeah, thinking I mean, of these ahead of time. I would expect I, you to have this like stored up. I, I'm uh, expecting a stash. Anthony, as you well know from the last three years, I prepare for nothing. I just show <laughs> up. I should show up. I make the best out of it. Uh, normally, <laughs> normally it works out for me somehow every time. And um, that's it. We move on. And we All right, hold on, Kyle. What did you think his line, Kevin Love's line, was in that game I was talking about? It was, it was like a high, it was a thirty twenty game, but like Wait, a high what, thirty what, twenty give me a date. Give me a date for this. I got. I have the numbers. That's why I was asking. I wanted. Well, well, was, when did this game like, happen? Like 25? No, it was thirty-one and thirty-one. <laughs> this was when early in the season. The Knicks were this. The Knicks lost this game and dropped to three and six in 2010-2011. So it was like uh, right in the. It was before they kind of clicked and figured it out. And went on that run. But yeah, Kevin Love dropped the 31. I don't think I'll take the over on the points, the under on the rebounds. I'd say that's fair. I'd Michael that. Beasley had 35 points in that game, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's just the way that the fucking universe turns sometimes. Beasley dropping 35 on us in 2010, and then just that. Hell of a seat, hell of a ride. That cup of tea we had with Michael Beasley last season, that cup of coffee, that was. Yeah. What an, this box score is amazing. What an adventure. Wesley, Wesley Johnson had 15 points. What is this? How did Anthony Randolph do? Did he even play? Anthony Randolph played 12 minutes at zero points, three <laughs> unassessed. It's all right. He's young. I'll figure it out. All right. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Don't get embarrassed. That's the uh, the name of the game for these next couple of games. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Plug away, Kyle. Uh, make sure you guys are subscribed to this podcast if you aren't already. Uh, if you are and haven't left a review, we ask that you please do that for us. That helps us keep doing what we can do for you guys. Uh, leave us a nice five-star review and hopefully something nice as a comment. We'd appreciate that. Uh, make sure you're obviously following us at Twitter, on Instagram, at the Knicks wall, uh, following us on Facebook as well. Um, 
subscribe to the Twitch channel and our YouTube channel. The Twitch channel is just twitch.tv slash the next wall. And then YouTube is just youtube.com slash the next wall. And uh, just check out the merchandise store at Cheap Public. Yep. Uh, we always we, we just have an absolute ton of designs up there. There's always more coming. Yeah. Um, there's probably going to be a sale next couple of weeks. The Christmas sales have ended. Everything's dying down. T Public will uh, probably do a New Year uh, New Year's sale. Oh yeah, probably do a New Year's one. Keep an eye that's out a good for point. that. So probably tomorrow we'll see something. Um, but that's about it. So thanks for yeah. listening. Thanks for the support as always. Yep. Lots of exciting. There should be an exciting start to 2019. Uh, always a blast. You know, I think we had a pretty good 2018 over at the next wall. This podcast got somewhere too. Uh, you know, another strong year ahead of us. Some exciting stuff coming up in January. So, uh, very exciting stuff. Very exciting stuff. It's been a so it's been a good ride so far. Looking forward to uh, an exciting year with uh, with this pod and next wall and everything in general. So, I will talk to you dudes uh, later on in the week. Yeah.